Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God is good to us. Amen. Amen. Many times uh, we find ourselves feeling uh, helpless. You ever look at a situation and just kind of clench your fists thinking, I wish there was something I could do. Um, But we serve a God who is not helpless. A God who has all power. It's an amazing thing that Jesus said uh, was the reason we should go out into all the world. Do you remember this? Matthew 28, 19. He says, all, everybody say, all power. power. That's the reason. All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore for that reason. And we need to remember that today as God calls us into his presence today. He calls us into his presence Reminding us that although we might be uh, weak, although we may fall short uh, in many ways, that he never does. He says his arm is not short, right? That he cannot reach us. His ear is not deaf, that he cannot hear our prayers. As God calls us to worship today, let us hear the words of Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and they were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. For the young lions, they lack. They suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is it that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are attendant upon their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. But the righteous cry and the Lord hears them and he delivers them out of their troubles. 
The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and He saveth such as be of a contrite heart. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keepeth his bones, and not one of them shall be broken. Evil slay the wicked, and they hate the righteous shall be desolate. But the Lord remembers the souls of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have answered the invitation to come into your presence today. We are humbled by the fact that you have invited us here into your holy presence where we certainly, without your help, could never belong or never deserve. But Lord, you looked at us in the midst of our infliction and our weakness and when we were not seeking you and you have found us. You have uh, given us life and ears to hear and the ability to do the things that you've called us to do. I pray today that you would forgive us of our sins that you would cleanse us from our unrighteousness, O God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. We long to hear your voice, that your voice and the words that you speak to us would be like the incorruptible seed that comes in our heart and, and bears much fruit. Lord, change us so that we can go out and do the things that you have commanded. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing as uh, Brother Steve comes to us and he will read his text for you as he brings the Word of God to you. I'm thankful for Brother Steve and the uh, the Murphys in general. Uh, unbeknownst to many of you, or maybe you do know this, uh, simply uh, the little things that we do in life, I don't think we know the power that ca- they carry oftentimes. And um, God had really been weighing on my heart heavily about the direction our church, church should go. We were listening to these tapes, and, and I said, well, anybody can talk on a tape. Uh, but I'd like to meet these people. And um, we got to church service a little later, and people were already seated. And God happened to put me right behind you and your row boys. And I'm sure I've told you this many times, but um, that day I don't... Kara wasn't in the pew. Maybe she was having a baby somewhere or something. You know, who knows? Uh, but but I remember it was kind of like a it was a picture um, from biggest to smallest. I believe right down the row, uh, the boys were all there and and uh, sitting in the pew. And the thing that spoke to me was a caress. You reached over and your your big son, your son who should be embarrassed that his daddy is loving on him. He wasn't embarrassed. And he wasn't embarrassed to do it. He reached over and he was just loving on his son. That's why we're reformed. (laughs) You know, you can have the right theology and the scripture says it this way, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not. Right? Love, do not underestimate the power of it. Do not relegate it to, well, you know, 
uh, these people that we met in the alley at the abortion mill, they're, well, they're not like us exactly. Well, there's something about them that's like what I want to be and what I am. And I was feeling it and it was called love. There was love and there was humility. And I'm telling you that transcends doctrine. It's powerful. The fruit of the spirit isn't being right. Isn't having it just the way it ought to be. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Thank you, Brother Steve, for showing love to me and show us some love today by bringing us to the word of God. Well, let me read for you Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Hear now the word of our Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every, he- every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I thank You for the power of Your Word that comes from You, our powerful God, and working through us and through Your Word through a powerful Spirit. Thank You, Lord, that these things are not distant realities, but they are ever-present and far more true and real than we tend to give them credit. Lord, I pray that it would be your power at work in us today, that it would be evident, that it would be amazing to us, and that we would leave this place different people for it. I ask this in the name of and for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, first off, let me tell you that uh, I talked to many of you as I came in here today, and you said, oh, well, I'm surprised to see you. And I said, yeah, us too. Uh, As of two days ago, we weren't really sure what we were doing. We knew we had to get Matthew back here uh, for a couple more weeks of working with Steve. And uh, we knew we also wanted to take a break. We desperately needed some kind of break. We've been trying for months to find time and a way to get away and get a, a, a break, just to get removed from everything that's going on there uh, back home in Virginia. Uh, primarily, really, the break needs to be a break from church. It's a little bit of vacation from work, really. And uh, so you all need to know that you made the cut for what we're going to do on vacation. Uh, here I am in a church preaching, of all things. <laughs> and, uh, and loving it, by the way. And uh, But no, there, I don't know really any other place that I could do this and, and call it a vacation than here at Foundation Church. Uh, you all are dear to us, like, like Mark said in, in his words of introduction and talking earlier about the Heidelberg uh, and the times that we had in our living room and have had since then. And many of you have been a part of uh, its, its uh, 
it's medicinal, it's therapeutic, really, for us to be able to come and be with you all. So thank you for being who you are. Uh, thank you for your your hospitality and acceptance and love to us, the way you've taken care of Matt and loved him uh, by letting all of your children climb on his shoulders <laughs> and be run around the church building and everything else. Uh, you were very kind to us, and you, you all have a very special place uh, in our hearts. And it is uh, an honor, really, to be able to stand here. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that, because I know how much you enjoy doing this. And uh, it's, it's a little daunting, actually, because of what I'm preaching on today. Uh, I'm preaching to you about the power of God and trusting in the power of God. And this is a trust that doesn't just say, hey, I know that that chair right there is going to hold me up, right? Looks pretty sturdy. You know, this is a trust that is actually going to rest in the chair and believe it. And, and, and the belief turns into action. And it's daunting because I'm doing it in the church where a man who's a formerly Pentecostal and still quite charismatic preacher <laughs> preaches. Kara said to me either last night or this morning, she said, you sure you want to preach about that here? Wow. Yeah, no, I, I really don't have any hesitation because I, I know the power of the Word of God and the Word of God preached, and I have absolute confidence in what God does through His Word, and so it's a joy, it's a real privilege to be able to be here. I actually preached this sermon just a few weeks ago, uh, back in Abingdon, and you know how, uh, no you don't know, I can mark, you know how in some sermons, uh, it just nails you. You know, and so you're coming into this and you preach it and you really don't know how it goes for everybody else out there. But for you, it is potent. It just moves you. And, and, and I really honestly don't know. I mean, sometimes you get feedback, but sometimes you don't get any feedback at all. And it, it, it really has nothing to do with what God is doing. Sometimes the feedback is wonderful and sometimes it's just not there, but it's still used powerfully. But sometimes when you preach... You just are, and very frequently actually, you are just taken by what you're preaching. And this passage took me. And it happened in the context of the week of the inauguration. So we were all, some of us, most of us maybe, I don't know how many of you saw this, but we all uh, there in Brumley Gap Road went next door to this big new house that we just built that has this big living room and this big TV on the wall and and has uh, dish uh, TV coming in so we could watch the the uh, inauguration. And we wanted the kids to see it because we had not seen one of those in a long time and got a lot of new children coming up in the home and we wanted them to see what this looks like and to witness this big event in our country. And uh, so I probably preached this right about the time you were preaching, what, Republicans and Sinners? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. That made it all the way to Virginia, that part of it. Yeah. In that day, I saw a, a spectacle of power, uh, especially later in the day, after Trump had been inaugurated. And you know, the president's first day is just aired on TV well into the night with all the things that are going on. And uh, I went back just to see what was going on in the middle of the day. I had left after the inauguration happened and went back to work, but I wanted to come back and see what was happening. And I walked in right as... Trump and Pence and their wives were standing on either side of a general, I'm assuming, of some military branch, and they were standing at the foot of the Capitol steps, 
and passing in front of them was column after column of the U.S. military, I'm assuming representative of their branch of the military, and saluting him as they, go, as they went by. And I remember at that time thinking, oh my goodness, what would it be like to be Donald Trump standing there and realizing probably, not for the first time, but in this way, oh my goodness, I now am in charge of, I am in the authority of, I have the power behind me of all of these forces, of what is arguably the most powerful military, of the most powerful country in the world. I don't know how it hit him, but I remember it hitting me and realizing that is overwhelming. It would be overwhelming to stand there about 50 feet away from these columns of men representing hundreds of thousands just like them who were in his authority to do what he called them to do. And I remember being caught by that and thinking what a what a show of power and what a position of power that Trump has. Any president who is inaugurated steps into this power. And I just remember being struck with that at that time. And then while I'm preparing the sermon, I'm thinking, yeah, that's power, but that's like little people. Power. Because all the power that Trump can muster on the very best day of the U.S. military's force is still nothing. It's peanuts in comparison to what Christ is for us, what He has done and is doing for us as His people, and what God has promised for us as His people. Now, and, and, and you know, I don't, I'm not thinking lightly of what the U.S. government can do. I remember seeing this test, or as a demonstration, and this was a few years ago, so this is old technology now, of a laser that was being shot from one ship to another that ignited something in that ship. And it was a test, and it it blew a hole in the side of the ship and blew something up inside of it. And this was a laser beam. So this is like Star Wars, Star Trek, actually happening in the technology that our government wields now in its military. Still, you know what? Star Wars, Star Trek, all that stuff, it's nothing. It just doesn't compare to the power of what God gives to Each of us, every day, in the ordinary times of life. I'm not even talking about these extraordinary moments. Those are there too. But in the everyday, in and out, up and down of our lives, this is like cruising altitude. This is the norm for us as God's people. So yeah, Trump is doing everything he can to make America great again, but God... God's power is great. God's power is above all. And it's God's power that Paul calls the Ephesians to look at here in Ephesians chapter 3. And he does it in such an amazing way. He does like Paul, only Paul can do in verses 14 through 19. Paul goes off is what he does. And it's, it's one of those things where I read verses 14 through 19 and I think, really, Paul? I mean, are you serious? Is this... The, is this Okay, you're just over the top. You're just going off again, Paul. Come on back down here to earth to where we live and let's talk boots on the ground kind of Christian life. And Paul does this for these 
for, for verse, verses 14 through 19, he just is explaining this. And let me just read some of it for you again and put some emphasis on it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, and it starts, it just starts and it just builds, it just snowballs from there. According to the riches of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So, you know, if you're like me, I'm still tracking. I'm still there. I can still get this. I can still relate to this. And I say, oh, yeah, that's. That's doable. I can see that, Paul. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that still fits with my theology. And I understand that. That you being rooted and grounded in love. Now that starts to push against where, where, where my flesh wants to go. Because my flesh wants to be rooted and grounded in my strength and my ability in what I can do, in what's piling in on me right now, but so that you may be rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Now he's just gone. You know, he's just, he has departed. He's left the building, right? Paul is out there in the stratosphere, I think, as I, as I relate to this with my life, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Did you hear that? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now I think, Paul, you're just nuts. Now you're not even making sense anymore. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I get to that and I think, what does that even mean? That I may be filled with all the fullness of God. I read passages like that and I get lost. And I feel like, I, you know what I do? I do the simultaneous, simultaneous translation in my mind to make it sound like, you know what we're like when we sometimes get into speaking in platitudes? And, 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 and I don't know if it's because we want to put forward some kind of good spiritual foot and impress people spiritually with where we are. But we speak in these platitudes that aren't really, really connected to where our hearts are and what's really going on. And, and we get lost in this Christianese uh, in describing things, and it's disconnected from where we really are and what's really going on in our lives. But that's not the case with Paul. <laughs> when Paul says these things, they're pouring out of a heart that really believes this. And, and in 14 through 21, he's got all this over-the-top language, and I'm saying, what are the chances of this really happening? But... But Paul goes on in verses 20 and 21 and he, he undergirds it all. He, if you will, he, he lays out this outrageous story of what this could look like and then he comes to 21 and he builds a scaffold underneath it that holds it up. And verses 20 and 21, just it's like one piece of a scaffold after another holding up all of these outrageous things that he said in 14 through 19. What seem like they're outrageous, but really they're not. They're ordinary. They're, they're just normal kind of cruising altitude for us as God's people. This is what we can expect all the time as the norm for Christians. So in 20 and 21, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And the pieces of the scaffold begin to come together. So... You know, I, 
I've got to believe that the people in the first century church were just like us in a lot of ways. And some of them, I know, heard Paul and were thinking, oh, here he goes again. You know, it's another run-on sentence by Paul where he just isn't stopping. And you're just thinking, this is just outrageous. You know what? Paul has lost his mind. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of listening to some of Mark's stories. Right? He gets started and you're thinking, oh, here he goes. Right? And you start thinking, this is nuts. This hasn't happened. This is, this, you know, if you could go back to when this story really happened, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that outrageous. Now, I've learned over the years, no, it is all true. And, and this is cruising altitude, right? For Mark. This is where he lives. This is this last week at the abortuary. It'll be next week in Myanmar. And the week after that. And it, it, it reminds me very much of listening to Mark's stories. I, I was here listening to another one last night. And Steve Poison, you actually did really well. You were like ranking right up there with that bear story you told. That's like a Mark story. I don't, I don't have Mark stories like that. That just doesn't happen to me. The bear never shows up. You know, the sea turtle is 50 feet away out on the surf. That's what it's like reading Paul. You're just thinking, no, come on. This can't be true. But it's normal cruising altitude. It's the way things are all the time. It's the ordinary day in and day out, up and down, doesn't matter. This is, this is the norm. This is not exceptional. This is the norm. And this is the doxology that Paul uses that undergirds all of what he's just said so that after you hear this doxology, you say, no, that's not crazy. Everything Paul just said, yeah, that is possible. You know what? Even more than that is possible. And I think this is important for us to realize as we pray. Because our prayers are not just a reflection of the desires of our heart. Our prayers are a reflection of what we believe about God. Our prayers are a reflection of the desires of our heart, but they are also a reflection of what we believe about God. The reason that Paul can say what he said in verses 14 through 19, all of those seemingly outrageous things, the reason he can do that is because of what he believes about God and what he says in verses 20 and 21. Now we know that while God used Paul to write these words, God's word to us, Paul's personality was coming out. It wasn't like, you know, on your phone when, when you dictate something, uh, you set an appointment or an, a reminder or you send a text and it just is like a machine rolling along with you. We know that it wasn't like that. We know that Paul, his personality was coming pouring out here. And, and, and what is happening? A man, a, a man just like us, Paul, uh, who is a sinner and who was who struggled and had ups and downs and had a lot of hardships and had things hammering it against him all the time. This man, Paul, writes these words, these 14 through 19 words that are over the top, just amazing. And then it is so, it's just, it's overwhelming. And he just explodes into verses 20 and 21. This is what we would do, I think, if we were there. And we were the ones who were receiving this word from God. And we're penning the words of Scripture. And if we had just gone through 14 through 19, when it came to 20 and 21, we would explode. We would just gush all over everybody in the room. 
And that's what 20 and 21 are. It's just a gushing of glory to what God can do. And it's astounding the way these words just pour out of Paul, this energetic and exuberant doxology. And he says, now to him who is able to do. And this is the difference between what we saw in the week of inauguration and what is the norm for us as Christians. In the week of inauguration, as amazing as that was and as heavy as it was for me to think of being Donald Trump and Mike Pence standing there and realizing, oh my goodness, yes, all of that power is at our fingertips. It pales in comparison to what God does for Christians all the time. Now to Him who is able to do. We get caught up in thinking, I can't do that. It's beyond me. It's beyond my situation. It just isn't going to happen. It just doesn't add up. And I I get caught there. And I, I start to fear men. And I fear my own inability. And I fear failure. In the middle of all the struggle, I lose sight of to Him who is able to do. Words like this, words of doxology, like the doxology we just sang, they always point to the power and the attributes of God. And this is why the doxology is such a wonderful thing for us to do continually. Not just the doxology, but doxology in itself. The giving of glory, the words of glory to God, of the attributes of God. Because what we are doing when we do that is we are not only confessing the truth, we are reminding ourselves of the truth right in the middle of all of this that we live in. Just think back of your last week, your last month, your last year. Think of the challenges that you face right now. Think of those things that seem to be insurmountable. They are, they're beyond you. And it's true, they are. Now to Him who is able to do, this is where we have to live. In the midst of the omnipotency of God to do anything. Now to Him who is able to do far more. And with these following words, it's like Paul is just pounding this this theme harder and harder. And he says he is able to do far more. Now Paul could have said, now to him who is able to do, him who is able to do more. But he said, him who is able to do far more. So thinking back to the last week or the next week, Thinking of that hard relationship in your life with that person that you're ready to give up on, or you have given up on. Thinking of that situation at work or that that hardship you're having with one of your children right now. I, you know, I, I live 300 miles away, but I've seen the hardship that your church has come under in the last six months. It seems like every couple weeks there's a new sickness or a new injury or a new hospital visit. It's been constant on you all in the last several months. And thinking of all that God is bringing into your lives right now. And and that's just in that area. I know there's a lot more as well. Particularly those uh, interpersonal relationships. Our struggles with each other. Do you believe that there's any limit to what God can do? Have you written anybody off? 
Have you given up? Now to Him who is able to do far more. Far more beyond. To Him. You can see the pieces of the scaffold coming in. It's taking shape. All those amazing things that He said about being filled, knowing the love of Christ, and filled with all the fullness of God, and you begin to see, yeah, God can do this. This, this amazing and unbelievable stuff that he says, this can be done. And he says, him who is able to do far more abundantly. Now this is where Paul goes into typical Paul world. And he starts saying things in a way nobody else will say them. And in fact, what Paul does here is he takes what looks to me in Greek to be four words smashed together. And he, he just makes a word, really. It's not a word used anywhere else. And it's like he's saying, now, now to him who is able to do super abundantly above, or over the top above, and without any spaces in between all those words, you just cram it all together and you have a new word now that describes what God does for you in the ordinary, everyday life of a Christian. Paul says, to him who can do over the top abundantly above all, far beyond All that we ask or think. Now, right there, I think, all right, if we want to think of what would be a challenge, let's go back to verses 14 through 19. Because I ask for a lot of things from the Lord, but I don't ever ask for anything that outrageous. I don't go there very often and say, Lord, would you do this for me? That I would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That is an outrageous prayer, isn't it? If your kids heard you men praying that in your home, or if your wife heard you praying that in family worship, would they think, oh my goodness, what happened to him? Where'd he go? But this is not exceptional. This is not like just for that moment in time. This didn't pass away with the revelation of God's Word. This is ordinary life for us as Christians. This high level of power and this super abundant over the top power that God gives to us. That we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And he says it actually goes far more abundantly over the top beyond that, even beyond all that we could ask or think. So that we can think 14 through 21 are, are, are amazing and over-the-top requests from a guy who's lost his mind, maybe. He's just out there. That doesn't sound like my life. Does that sound like your life this last week or like your prayers? Anybody? And here Paul is saying, no, it actually goes above and beyond that. In fact, it goes above and beyond all that we could ask or think. To him who is able to do far more than all that we could ask or think. It's always bigger and it's always better than what we can think to ask. Now, this is where I think this is, I think this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where uh, I have to take a lesson like this and I have to bring it down into 
my life and to my days, and I have to begin to ask hard questions of myself. And I, I think, okay, well, what's going on in my life right now that I'm struggling with? What's an area where my, my faith is in crisis, where uh, I am struggling to believe that God can do X or Y or Z? I look at the people in the church around me, and I think of the prayers that I have for them, and I think of times that I'm tempted to think, Lord, I don't know that you're going to do this. Or, I don't know that that person's ever going to come around. Or, I think about the challenges that we have in our home, and we've had, what, seven miscarriages in a row? Eight miscarriages in a row. And we've tried so many different options, so many different medications and tests, and... Lord, this may be it. And I had resigned myself to that. And now here we are at 17 weeks. We've never made it that far. At least not in the six, last five, six years. And, and see that crisis of faith right there is tested against what Paul says here is the norm for us. How about your finances? That's a struggle I know. Trusting that God is going to give us everything that we need. And that it's not just going to be everything that we need, but that He's going to bless us beyond, super abundantly above, what we can ask or think. This is what Paul is saying is the norm. All those problems that I have that seem like they're insurmountable, they're beyond what I can do or what I think God would do. And and the challenges that nag in my heart the, the fears that can become controlling in my heart. God says no. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. God is not just loving but he is powerful over it all. And there are some uh, intense struggles that we deal with. Uh, each of us, each of you in your heart knows what those are. It may be a sin, a besetting sin. It may be one that you feel that you cannot get beyond. His power goes super abundantly above and beyond that he is able to do it and this is a knowledge that Paul's talking about that changes us like I said it's 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 a trust in God that will cause you to rest in the chair it will make you sit down it's that over the top more power that we trust in that leads us away from, from our prayers being filled with these wimpy, beggarly requests for things as though we're not even sure we'll get those. This is just not how our God operates. It takes us far beyond that. A super abundant above and beyond all that we can ask or think Whatever that challenge is, God can not only fix it, God can make it beautiful. And He can take you so much farther beyond where you think this could go. You can think of a good ending, but it goes beyond that. 
you can think of ways that this could possibly work out, but God doesn't want it to just work out. God wants to not just get glory. See, we usually, we think, well, you know, it's just for the glory of God. But no, for His people, it goes beyond that. His glory and our good always travel together. Amen. Right? No matter what the circumstances are. His glory. Yeah, we know that. And we're committed to that. But He is the one who brings our good with it. And so they travel together on whatever that challenge may be in your life. If you are in Christ, the omnipotence of God, the over-the-top more, the superabundant more power of God that goes far beyond all that we can ask or think, resides in you. Did you see that part in there where he said, according to the power at work in us? Not out there somewhere. Not something that I have to search hard for but something that God has given us through the death of His Son and through the giving of His Spirit, it's something He has given us and it is at work within us. It resides here. It is ours. And that is the power, the immeasurable power that is at work within us. I love, I love that passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. In verses 3 and 4, Peter sort of pulls a Paul there in the way he gets going through the rest of those verses. His divine power, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, if you could just stop there and camp out the rest of your life right there, knowing that there's nothing that you need that isn't already yours in God, that he hasn't already given you everything that you need, we search and we turn over every rock, and we read every book, and we try all these different ways and means, and, and we forget. We forget this. We forget that His divine power has already granted to us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of His Son. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Now I'm hearing echoes of Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. Being filled with all the fullness of God. Knowing the full scope of the love of Christ with all the saints. These very great and precious promises so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. God in the work, in the powerful work of His Son has not just saved us from the fires of hell. He has done that. And for that we are grateful. But that is just the beginning of what is called by Christ the abundant life. Now I know that the church has been given a lot uh, in, in the last, oh boy, I would say at least the last hundred years. And I'm sure it goes back farther than that. But it's been expressed pretty potently in the last hundred years to uh, denying ourselves of any pleasure and calling this living the Christian life. Now, there is a measure of denying ourselves. Absolutely. Jesus calls us to that, to carry our cross, right? But he also says that this life that we live is an abundant life. And He blesses us with children. 
And he blesses us as men with wives and wives with husbands. And he blesses us with food and drink and he makes it taste good. God didn't have to do that. I would hope that we would that we would know that as God is working all things out in our lives, no matter what it may look like at the time for His glory, that He's also bringing right alongside of it our good. And, and, and if you're like me, you think, yeah, that good's a painful good. It's like a smack on the hand, good. Right? Yeah, Lord, I know your discipline's good. But you know what that discipline produces in us? The writer of Hebrews called it the peaceful fruit of righteousness. It's a peaceful fruit that he's bringing in our lives. And our lives are not always peaceful, are they? If, if I could play your thoughts from the last week on a video up here, would everybody think, oh, he lives such a peaceful life. Look at what's going on in his mind and look at his thoughts. It's all about peace, right? Or, or ladies, as you're parenting your children, look how peaceful she is. The peaceful fruit of righteousness is the good that that discipline brings to us. And it is the norm. There's nothing exceptional about it for us in Christ. There's nothing exceptional about that. It is wonderful, and it is amazing and exceptional, but not to say that it doesn't happen all the time. It's awesome. And it's the norm. And this is what God is able to do for us as His people. This is what His power His power, not ours, produces. So that when we rest in that power, when we sit back and we trust in that power, that's the norm for our lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the power of your spirit that speaks through your word. Lord, thank you that you speak to us always right at the point of our need. And as we come to your table, Lord, as we anticipate the taste of that bread once again and of that wine, we are reminded, we taste and see how good you are to us. And we are reminded of your goodness to your people throughout all generations and the promise to be good to us. Lord, give us comfort and peace, but empower us as well for action. Fit us for action in this world that you have given us to live in, to take dominion of, and may we do it in the power of our God for victory, for his sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity. To listen to our audio sermons, we would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.